This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. The Immigration and Customs Enforcement Office of the government is receiving quite a bit of backlash, and now that backlash is spreading to companies that have had business relations with ICE. Consulting firm McKinsey and Company has canceled its contract with the agency after pressure from employees over ICE's role in immigration policy. Amazon employees want the company to stop selling its face recognition software to government officials. And these are just two of several instances where this is going on. With more on this, we're joined here in studio by Eric Ortz, professor of legal studies and business ethics here at the Wharton School. He's also co-editor of the book, The Moral Responsibility of Firms. And also with us on the phone is Wahid Hussein. Zane, who is an assistant professor of philosophy at the University of Toronto. Eric, great seeing you. Great to see you, too. Thank you. Wahid, great to have you joining us. Thanks a lot. Happy to be here. Thank you. So what do these instances, Eric's, Eric and, and others, say about the path that business culture is seemingly going right now? Well, I think one uh, one way to think about this is that we've often, and it's, it's a longstanding question of how you think about business from a point of view of what's called corporate social responsibility or social responsibility, and, and it's a business ethics area. Uh, but what seems to be increasingly uh, a focus is does that include political responsibility? So there's a um, there's a paper coming out by a colleague of mine, and it's co-edited by a number of others. Uh, uh, that is that that coins that term corporate political responsibility. And right. What does that mean? And so I think traditionally there's been this idea that business stays out of politics. That business is in the market. You allow the political system to operate separately from that. They set the rules of the game, and business just focuses on its knitting, does its work, stays out of politics. And I think what you've seen uh, more recently is that that's really that that that, that model really doesn't describe the complexity of reality. Right. And there, there are issues that come up, and we have them uh, coming up now, where the question is, how is business involved? Are you complicit in something that's happening from a political point of view that is actually against your values, against the right. values of the company? And that's what's, uh, that's what's coming up. And so one issue that's focusing attention right now, and I think for good reason, is that there's a policy at the southern border that had been being uh, implemented by the administration. It's now looks like they're unwinding it, although there's still yep. a lot of problems with it, of how you are handling uh, immigrants. And there was a separation of children from yep. parents as a policy. And many people look at that, and I think rightly so, and just say, this is outright, this is just morally wrong. And then the question is, are, and then, then employees ask, wait a second, are we involved in this? And it yeah. turns out that there are contracts that companies have with um, the Immigration Customs Enforcement, or, or known as ICE. And then companies are saying, wait a second, we don't want to be complicit in this. We don't want to be part of a company that is selling uh, or is consulting with uh, – these uh, government agencies that are morally doing something that we uh, don't agree with as a company. So that's where this is coming up. Um, uh, I think that there have been a number of these kinds of incidents that, um, you know, frankly have it's it's accelerated in the United States with the Trump administration. So if you think back to the Charlottesville incident, incident, yeah. and there was a comment about you know we're we're uh, uh, that there were there were many fine people there are fine people on both sides. Yep. Business executives came under pressure and uh, resigned from the Trump uh, advisory board and said, wait, you can't – we're not going to be associated with 
uh, statements of this kind or or uh, an administration. So that's kind of the extreme is how far do – you know, that's the next question is how far do you go? How far should businesses go? Yeah. When should they stay out? Uh, and when do they really have no choice? Another, just a quick other example uh, that I think uh, the, the companies did the right thing was American Airlines and United Airlines, and it was followed by a number of other airlines, uh, said, okay, we're not going to do that. We're, if you are going to contract with our airline and take kids away from their parents as part of a government program, we are not participating. We disagree with the program. It's against our values. Uh, and we're not going to we're not going to do a thing. Now the next question after that is, well, what? How much does that really mean? Because as long as there's some airline that's going to transport the children or transport immigrants back to, uh, it's apparently a booming business to transport immigrants back to to de- deport them, et cetera. Then how much of, how much does it matter if you're just making your own serv- you're you're making sure. yourself pure? But does that really do anything to solve the problem? Right. Right. So that's another that's another level of uh, analysis here. Well, how do you see this uh, as having an impact on business culture? Well, I think what you're seeing, to my mind, is that you you begin to realize in these cases that business takes place against the background of politics and importantly, a political consensus in society about certain sort of basic fundamental values. And when the background political consensus starts to fray or break down, then you've got these cascading problems in business culture. So on the one hand, you look at McKinsey's involvement um, with ICE or Google's involvement with uh, the development of uh, facial recognition technology with uh, in the drone U.S. drone program, the Maven program. Um, but also, I think you should also think about cases where companies now are coming under fire for having um, uh, health insurance programs that support things like abortion. And so, in all of these cases, I think what you're seeing is that there's disagreements in the body politics. There's disagreement among citizens about what the basic kinds of boundaries of people's fundamental rights are. And when there's disagreement about those sorts of things, then that disagreement starts invading or starts um, appearing in these decisions that uh, business people make. So I think it's really, you know, you're starting to see that the the background disagreements about fundamental basic political issues in the United States is starting to creep into um, into business life. 844-942-7866 is the number if you would like to join in with your comments or questions here in studio with Eric Wartz of the Wharton School and on the phone with Wahid Hussein of the University of Toronto. Again, 844-942-7866. Or if you can't get to your phone, send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. We've seen businesses, Wahid, that, that seemingly now are looking to... I don't know if it's have a closer connection with their employees to do a better job of serving every uh, their employees. But I'm wondering if this connection and this recognition of the importance of the employee really is part of why we are seeing this these moves by some of these companies at this point. 
Well, yeah, I think it's true that you, you're starting to see you're starting to see the issues articulated in terms of being true to the employees and true to the integrity or the values of employees. Um, but the thing is, in one way, there's always this connection with employees and the integrity of employees and and their and their values. But when there's a sort of consensus in society about what the basic boundaries of people's fundamental rights are, then it's not that hard for businesses to be sort of in tune with the values of their of their employees. But when this background consensus starts breaking down and employees, you know, fundamentally disagree with the decisions that are being taken by governments and um and our disagreement with, you know, even decisions that uh, employers are making, then you start to see this issue arise where holding true to your employees and being connected with your employees actually involves or requires that business leaders make much more controversial kinds of political decisions. Eric? Yeah, well, I think that's uh, I think that's a correct analysis. It's going to be it's going to be different for different companies. So, uh, if you have if you're a Microsoft or a Google or or um, a McKinsey, you are going to have to be sensitive to what the employees are, um, are are saying in these issues. And it may be very different if you're running another kind of company and you have a different kind of set of employees and their pol- their politics might be quite different. So. Uh, one thing I think we should be careful about is to say that this is very com- this is complex. I think as, as Wahid was indicating, yep. this is not a question of like left right politics. It's like it's politics, yeah. and so the question is uh, there are going to be different kinds of politics involved in different firms. Um, and one thing I think we're seeing here is it, it's common, I think, from a business school perspective to think about the world in general as involving economic kinds of principles, right? So we, we're, we're very used to thinking markets appear everywhere. We think of, uh, we think of real options in life. Once, you, once, you're, once, you're, once you're aware and educated in economic reasoning and economic knowledge, you see economics everywhere. And you see it in politics. You see it in, in, in bargaining of all kinds. I think the same thing, and, and it, it's helpful, I think, for, for orienting business people in this area uh, to think about politics that way too, right? There's, not, uh, there's sometimes a, a tendency to think politics is only in the government. That's only for the time when we have elections or we're yeah. talking about who's going to be uh, president or, or, or representatives. And the fact is that that's not really accurate. Uh, there's politics uh, that is uh, happening all the time within businesses, and it's something that businesses have to not only manage, but I would argue, uh, I think I'm on board with the argument that there is a corporate political responsibility. And yeah. then the question, it's not an easy question, right? You can't, you're not, uh, you're not a political advocacy organization if you're a business. So, but you, do, but then the question is. My own my own sense of this is that you, if as a business you are a member of civil society, and you have a duty to uh, stand up and say what's right, and if there are uh, dangers of being complicit in something that is fundamentally wrong, and that is uh, and and that it's involving a government or uh, or government policy, then. 
businesses and CEOs have a responsibility to stand up and say, you know what, we are not uh, okay with this. We're not yeah. playing. We are, and we're making a statement about it. And it doesn't. And I think the it's important. And saying this, I'm saying this from a business ethics department, but um, I think it's important that businesses sometimes have to make a statement because it's right, not because they're making a calculation about it's going to hurt their brand or their stock price or something like that. If you get into that game. I don't think you're using the right tools to really make the decision. Is this is this right or is it not right? Something like American Airlines. I don't think they're you know you look at the issue you know separating kids from their parents and and transporting them a hundred miles away right. because you're yeah. trying to enforce a law is wrong. It's and we are not going to p- participate in that and right. they're not going to make a calculation. What's the cost benefit of that? Right? And, sure. And are people going to be upset about this? You have to make the a gut moral. Uh, decision and it takes some courage for companies to make those uh, make those decisions. Again, the way for you to join in with your comments or questions is either by phone at eight four four Wharton eight four four nine four two seven eight six six, or if you'd like, if you can't get your phone, send us a comment on Twitter at Biz Radio one eleven B I Z Radio one eleven, or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney L O N E Y twenty one in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Sean is on the line. Sean, go ahead. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. I was listening, and I couldn't help but notice that every you know everyone's worried about you know employees leaving companies, and now employees have a lot more options with regards to the gig economy. And we're not you're not losing employees to other companies. Sometimes you're just losing employees to them becoming Uber drivers or Lyft drivers or ships or Postmates, all things where someone can actually make enough money to live and find something else. So the company doesn't have them by the same golden handcuffs anymore. All right, Sean. Go ahead, Go ahead Eric. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that's a really good comment, Sean. And uh, uh, it's true that there's a lot of flexibility now. It's also true that unemployment uh, in the United States is relatively low. So that means uh, uh, you have to, businesses are going to have to care about making their employees happier. Now, uh, it's interesting you mentioned the, go- the gig economy and also particularly Uber because Uber ran into a problem with this. If we recall, uh, Uber had a policy that, first of all, Uber was on the president's advisory committee and then had a big misstep with respect to their pricing policies uh, when there were airport protests against immigration. So even there, Uber took a big hit. There was a a slash, uh, a hashtag delete Uber movement. They lost 200,000 accounts in a very short period of time. There was a demand for the CEO of Uber to resign from the president's board. He then did so. Uh, he was one of the first to uh, to leave that. So I think that uh, even if you have the gig economy, it's not going to mean that you don't have the same kinds of pressures uh, uh, on the on on companies that are that are in that space as well, but I think that's uh, I think that's a good that's uh, a good comment that uh, there the the sensitivity of companies to their employees' uh, political beliefs is going to be partly correlated to um, how 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 strong the labor demand is. If they, if you have if it's very hard to get jobs and employees don't have a lot of other options, they're going to tend to maybe be quieter about how they're how they're feeling about things within the firm. Well, Heed, your comments. Well, I think it's an, an interesting comment. I agree with Eric that actually, you know, the gig economy doesn't get around these issues. But I think I would put the issue a slightly different way. Like, I mean, just think if McKinsey, instead of carrying out this sort of consulting contract with ICE, instead of having a whole bunch of 
McKinsey consultants in-house. Imagine instead that they just, McKinsey's New York office, put a lot of the calculation tasks and put a lot of the information sort of processing tasks out on an Amazon Mechanical Turk so that they just put the, the sort of the, uh, the job list out on Mechanical Turk and they just had like thousands and thousands of people around the world come in and do part of the calculation themselves. I think you would still have the same kind of political issue because all of those people who are sort of working in this disconnect, seemingly disconnected way are all taking part in an activity that is ultimately aimed at, as Eric said, to separate children from their parents at the border for reasons that are not, seem, are not to me, um, very clear. So I don't think actually the, the move to the gig economy really um, changes the fundamental situation that, in fact, market activity, whether it's inside of a firm or whether it involves a whole bunch of con um, independent contractors or supposedly independent contractors, either way, the people who are participating in these activities are involved in activities that have this political significance. And you can't get away from that, even if you've got a gig economy or, or a bunch of, you know, disaggregate, even if you disaggregate firms into lots and lots of little contractors, you got the same underlying issue, I think. Back to the phones, Jeff in New York City. Jeff, go ahead, sir. Yeah, I mean, you're all focused on employees, but a, customer's mo a, a company's most important constituency is its customers. Right, yep. And... You know, did these companies ever think that they might be adopting what they think is the PC attitude might actually be alienating a, a significant percentage of their customers? I know that I find that I am alienated when I see this kind of behavior. And I especially see it when I watch a lot certain types of advertising. Right. I find it really annoying. Well, Jeff, that's a great point because that we've been talking about employees the whole time. The customer is the other side of this equation. Well, absolutely. I mean, the customers were behind the the Uber outrage, but that was different. But uh, Jeff uh, raises a very good uh, question. Uh, it's definitely um, not only about consumers. So this is another reason why businesses like to often stay neutral because right. politics yep. is controversial. Yep. So why take a position, right? Yep. So. Unless a business is really forced on a moral issue, if there are really good arguments on both sides in a case where it's reasonable to disagree, then uh, a business will tend, if it's consumer-facing, not to take a position because it's not really going to want to uh, offend either one. So one side, um, you know, it sounds like uh, one, Jeff will be uh, offended if there are uh, – you know, quote unquote, political correctness on one side, or something—a position that's that's going to be described as on the left. Uh, maybe somebody else is going to be upset if there's they're taking a position on the on the right. You know, yep. some people won't go to Chick Fil A because they take positions that are on the other side of the spectrum. So you're going to have both of that, and I think um, I think it's a good point. But that doesn't mean that companies are still re absolved of taking a position when there's really a serious issue. So. Just to give another example, um, this is not a new issue. IBM supplied uh, computers uh, to the Nazis 
when they were uh, when, at, at the, at the time of World, World War II. Yeah. Uh, and I think there was an allegation, too, they supplied uh, computer technologies to South Africa. So the, the case we are dealing with now, the facial res- re- re- recognition, I think there was an article recently, was somewhat scary, Chinese technology is moving very fast, and they're an authoritarian regime that is now using facial recognition technology. Yeah. So should Amazon uh, supply that to the Chinese? You know, if our technology is better, you can make money by selling the Chinese the top-of-the-line facial res- re- recognition technology. But yeah. can you really separate, as, that, as Wahid was saying, can you really separate that from what they're going to use it for, which is to use, to control uh, their people in a much in, in a way that uh, that violates at least what most Americans think of as a freedom of movement and uh, freedom of freedom of speech, et cetera. So those are, I, I think, all, you know. But but the, but that is a good point that uh, that's a, and it's another reason why businesses have to be careful about this. You don't yeah. just want to wade in on any issue whatsoever just because you feel like it. On the other hand, I think our argument here is that there are some issues like separating kids from. Uh, I don't think there are two sides on that. Most people do not think there are two sides to the issue of right. is it okay to take a three-year-old kid from the from the mother and then forget about the records. Right? I think that there are some kinds of issues like this that are so fundamental. Companies do have to take a stand. And not only do they have to not be complicit, the other piece is do they then have a responsibility to actually try to do something about solving that problem right. if they can? Well, he. Well, I like the uh, – uh, Eric brings up the Chick-fil-A example. I think it's a great example because one of the things you saw in the Chick-fil-A example was that customers actually um, – you saw the political disagreement take place in a very sort of clear way where there were dueling boycotts. Yeah. Or there was a, a boycott of Chick-fil-A on the one side by customers who um, favored uh, gay marriage, and then there was a boycott. That is, customers especially going to Chick-fil-A for the purposes of showing support for Chick-fil-A's anti-gay marriage stand. And so the background disagreement in society bubbled up as this dueling boycott and boycott focused on uh, Chick-fil-A. So, yeah, it's not, you know, I think some people are going to be put off by the PC side of of things. Yeah, sometimes there's an opportunity. So actually Lyft, uh, in response to the Uber, got hammered by their uh, slowness in responding to the uh, to the uh, uh, this was the Muslim ban travel ban. Yeah. Uh, so Lyft then said, OK, uh, come to Lyft instead, because we're also giving a million dollars to the ACLU and we're the good guys. Right. So you right. There is a there is a competitive aspect to this where. It's not always clear that some, you know. Sometimes, uh, if you get on the right side of the consumers, uh, you can make money by being, uh, you know, be, by being green or by being politically correct, if you want to use that term. And on the other side is uh, Wahid saying, sometimes you can make money by being, you know, Ivanka Trump says, "Hey, support my uh, support my dad." But the interesting, <laughs> right? so, the interesting thing is, Wahid is kind of playing off of what Eric said is that you can make that position like Lyft and, and believe you are reaching out to you know, X number of consumers, but at the same time, you're going to be irritating Y number of consumers as well. So it's 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 an unbelievable, uh, at times, a balance, and basically how you said it, Eric, it's a balance as to what a company needs to, to really put forward as the most important things that it really wants to follow. Can I just say that I think that the, the thing that's going to happen 
um, if it hasn't already happened, is that I think that companies are going to do are going to just treat this eventually as a branding issue, where you could sure. have yeah. one and the same company just have two different brands that are um, appealing to different segments of the marketplace according mm. to their political views. And so I think, I, I mean, I, I I haven't done the the deep research into this. Maybe Eric has more knowledge of this than I do. But I think it's just, you know, Ford has various brands. It's, you know, it's marketing to people in Seattle with one set of values and marketing to people in Dallas with another set of values. And they've got different brands in the Ford family. And these might sort of eventually adjust to people's different kinds of political uh, orientations. Yeah, yeah. I think underlying that, though, I think, Eric, I agree with Eric in saying that, look, there are some issues, not all of these things, but there are some issues on which a company really just has a civic responsibility mm-hmm. to you know, draw a line. We're not even going to agree about those things, but I think there is some kind of set of basic issues that companies kind of you know, have to take a civic stand on because ultimately that's what they are. They are civic entities. Yeah, just one other one other comment on that. I think Wahid's right about the branding, but there's a danger there too that companies have to watch out for, and that is they can't just start appealing to all the different groups and right. sort of have a different brand for everybody because there's something you know it, if you're talking about moral uh, moral issues or political issues, there is an integrity question, right? Yeah. You have to you have to basically have uh, a company's values that are settled. And you can get into a lot of trouble. And there's a there's an example. Uh, Sheldon Whitehouse has uh, has called out the fossil fuel companies on this, for example, where they'll be acting like they're in favor of a carbon tax and they're they're in favor of doing something about climate change. But in fact, if you look at their political contributions, it's 100 percent behind candidates who are against any regulation whatsoever. So there is a there is a question of I, I think companies have to really try not to be hypocritical when they are making these kind of uh, choices and and really and, and and the way to do that I think is to reflect on the integrity and the and the basic values of the company. So well, that's the, the that's one that's one piece of advice. Then let me throw out this this question uh, kind of wrapping things up then. You mentioned that there are obviously there are certain situations where you obviously have to take some sort of stand one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Are there situations, because there could be both sides to the argument, where it is proper for the company to say, you know what, we're going to step back on this one? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's, uh, uh, that's what you need to do. You need to – and also there's, if you realize there's going to be important constituents in your company, whether they're employees, cons- uh, customers, uh, you know, sources of capital, shareholders – you have to be careful about this, and and there's a lot of room for disagreement, a sure. reasonable disagreement. Yeah. On the other hand, there are then sometimes re- issues that are really important to take a stand about. And in my own my own opinion, they have to do with uh, violations of basic freedoms or real harm to vulnerable individuals, things things of that sort. And unfortunately, we're hitting a lot of those sure. with some of the uh, current policies in the world. And um, and companies have to play a role in, in handling it and well, dealing with it. Wahid, final thoughts? Well, I think you're right. I think there are some things where you know you want companies to sort of step back and say, look. That's just a matter of politics. It's a realm of reasonable disagreement, and we don't need to get ourselves involved in that. I think that's where this issue about political consensus comes up, because I think 
there really, as the political disagreement in the background in the United States is becoming more intense, I don't think there's agreement about certain kinds of basic things. And so there isn't that place for companies to sort of step back and be neutral in the same way. And so, you know, again, it brings up this issue about how, you know, markets need political consensus in the background in order to operate in the normal way. And just as you're seeing the political disagreement intensify, you're seeing this kind of fraying of the background that makes it harder for markets to operate in the normal way. Right. And what you do in that situation is, I think you do have to sometimes take a stand, and there's just no two ways about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, Heed, thank you very much for your time on the phone. Greatly appreciate your insight. Great. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Eric. As always, great seeing you. Thank Thanks you for coming in. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.